Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk Podcast. You're listening to Katie Emmer, joined by Jordan Hall. And Jordan, it was a good series so far after a thrilling, sort of thrilling, Game 3 victory. one nothing, low-scoring game, but definitely thrilling in the final minutes. You know, the biggest thing to watch in this series, and I think one of the biggest storylines, Jordan is that goaltending you mentioned. Of course, you cannot overlook, uh, uh, you know, Carey Price, a goaltender at that pedigree. And then on the other end, you have Carter Hart. And he, you know, certainly has been one of the most popular topics that we cover day in and day out, specifically, you know, pre and post game. Um, And just any game coverage. This is a player that this is his first playoff experience. I mean, going back to game two, that, you know, tough 5 nothing loss, there was concerns about his confidence. Like, he's young. Is he going to be able to, like, figure it out like are the playoffs so different and you know a lot of us just stayed calm cool and collected just like Carter Hart would do um so ignore the siren outside of my building but so Carter Hart um you know looking back on that looking back on the regular season the way he was so resilient Jordan that maturity that's just ever glowing forever um just turning 22 it just it must just keep getting better you know as far as his confidence as far as just staying calm and and um getting through anything I felt like that was portrayed very much in game three and look what he got his first playoff career shutout. Um, the youngest flyers goaltender to do so, by the way, per CBS sports HQ, I did see that pretty impressive. And you know what? I think this is just the beginning for him, but Jordan, that's been my main focus has just been the story of the goaltending. And um, we can get into this too. You know, other other things going on with this flyers team. Do I think they're at their strongest point? Do I think they've played their strongest hockey in this series? I'm going to say that. I think their power play, uh, you know, turnovers, the, the mishaps they've had, uh, not acceptable and, and scary at times. But going back to Carter Hart, fortunately, he's having his A game. Yeah, Katie, I wanted to ask. Um, obviously, it has not been a perfect run so far, although the Flyers obviously are 5-1-0 um, so far in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, they've been far from perfect. They have three goals through three games in this series. Are you concerned at all about the offensive production? Um, Does that bother you? Uh, Or do you think, no, they're going to start scoring goals? I am concerned about many things. The offensive production isn't at the top of the list, um, but it it certainly is one of them, Jordan. I mean, you need to be scoring goals. Yes, I'm happy to see the defensive power. I'm happy to see um, 24 block shots in uh, the game in game three, but I'm not happy to see one for 25 on that power play in the playoffs in general. Um, there's a lot of different things, but I, (laughs) it's so, uh, it's such an average comment and it's so obvious, but you need to score goals to win games. So you need your, your guys, you need your first and foremost, your top guys stepping up. Unfortunately, 
Um, we've seen that with Jake Voracek. I'm smiling, Jordan, because I remember his press conference. He said something like, I think the quote, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like, yeah, I've scored two goals without touching the puck or something in, in the yeah. playoffs. He said, I have my needed, stick. I haven't needed a stick. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, typical Jake Voracek, but you got to love uh, those comments. He always gives you a smile. But fortunately, he's been stepping up. Uh, Couturier, another player that you feel like he's so close, but he is creating chances. He hasn't made it on the score sheet, but I think there's other things that really um, stand out with his game and improve You know what's going on on the ice whenever he's out there. But you need to be scoring. You need your Travis Konechny. I liked that, uh, you know, what Lawton and Hayes were doing, what they were all doing together, but it really is up to that, and it's up to your depth as well. But I think it all comes, up, uh, all comes down to your top guys contributing. Wouldn't you say the same? I mean, this isn't like – this isn't funny at this point. Like, I'm happy to see them win a game one nothing, but this is like you cannot play with fire right now in the playoffs. You have to be scoring more. You said exactly what I was just about to say. I think they're playing with fire a little bit right now. It, you know, at the start of the round robin, we were all so pleased about the, the depth production because it really was impressive. They ran through the round robin without some of their top players producing offensively because their depth was so, so good. Uh, but now three goals in three games against Montreal against a really good goalie who is known for stealing games and sometimes stealing series. Uh, the Flyers' top five goal producers during the regular season, Travis Konechny, Kevin Hayes, Jake, uh, not Jacob Borchek, James Van Riemsdyk, Claude Drew, and Sean Couturier, they do not have a goal. Not, none of them combined do not have one goal so far in the tournament. Uh, that's absolutely a little troubling. But for me, I, I'm not overly concerned with the offense. I think the Flyers scored the seventh most goals in the NHL during the regular season. I expect that body of work to eventually come back in this playoffs. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a product of so far two teams that play very competitive um, styles that, you know, that, that – Elaine Vigneault mentioned that they're not giving each other much time and space right now. Uh, and that, you know, that happens in playoff hockey. Obviously, you know, everything kind of ramps up. And uh, sometimes there's just not as much time and space to do things offensively. And then, you know, you forget they are, they are playing Carey Price, <laughs> who is very good. He's been a stud all playoffs, and he's been there, done that. Um, so I think those are two factors in why the, the offense has kind of been slow to get going in this series. But – I do expect the Flyers to score goals. I think they're, they have guys that can score goals. They're a balanced team. And I expect it to eventually start going. But, yeah. Yeah, but Jordan, I mean, just to ask, like, when? You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm in that same boat. But it's like, well, gosh, do you have a certain, like, game right now where you're like, hey, are you concerned after that game? Because we're already on game four coming up here. I mean, if this doesn't start up, like, this could be a series that falls out of your hands. And, no, Flyers fans, I'm not saying so. I'll knock on wood. But – like, do you have, uh, Jordan, a specific, like, timeline? Like, if this doesn't start soon, because I'm in that same boat, hopefully it will. We'll see it get going. But we've been saying that this whole time. No, it's a great question. For me, it would, I would be really concerned if it doesn't get going after game four. Because if it doesn't get going in game four and say they lose game four, I don't want to say that. But let's just hypothetically say they lose game four because they don't score goals. All of a sudden, the series is tied 2-2, and then you're going into a back-to-back. -back. The game five would be the, de the very next day after game four. And uh, obviously, now you're thinking Carter Hart has to play basically his first back-to-back -back of the season um, against the guy, Carey Price, who 
has probably played his fair share of back-to-backs throughout his career. Um, so that would be my concern. If they don't get going and all of a sudden the series is tied 2-2, then you're getting really, really dicey. Um, well, right now I, I do expect the offense to get going. I'm not as overly concerned as some people. I do yeah. know the power play has been one for, tw- one for 25. It hasn't been good. Um, and I know offensively, obviously, three goals in three games is not going to cut it most of the time. But um, I Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it right there. It, Carey Price doesn't make it easy. I mean, any goaltender in this league isn't going to make it easy for you. Um, but certainly a guy like Carey Price, who did record his seventh career postseason shutout uh, versus the Flyers in game three, game two. Gosh, these are all in my head. But that game two, five nothing loss for the orange and black. I mean, he is uh, – he is a goaltender. He's, you know, when we hear the national coverage, when we hear other coverage, like he is the most lethal weapon. And then you add in, you know, who's playing in front of him. He is the number one guy that, um, you know, is going to be the biggest challenge. I as well believe, but yeah, we'll see that offense needs to get going. But Jordan, you mentioned that power play. Let's get right into it. This has been um, another concern for me. And it's another thing where it's like, Oh, you know, it'll get going next game or, or that timeline. And this is like, I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, going into the Brown Robin play, Elaine Vigneault was asked how important your special teams are in this situation in the postseason at that time, but you know, now we're in the playoffs. Um, this is in that difference, I guess, that the Brown Robin play and now playoffs have started. But um, this, is, this is a big concern. And it was a concern after game one. You're kind of like, okay, but at this point, one for 25, you're 0 for 6 last night. Um, can you continue to win games if you're not executing on the power play? If you're doing everything else pretty well, you probably can get by. Um, and obviously they've gotten incredible goaltending. Their PK has been pretty good. Um, and for the most part, they've been okay five on five. But um, no, it, I think this is another thing that could come back to bite them. Katie, I want to ask, would, would you do anything differently? What would you try? Would you try to shake things up? For me, I thought – James Van Riemsdyk would be pretty good on that first unit. Maybe get him in front of the net, see what he can do. Um, he's a power play guy. It's been known for giving power plays major jolts, and he, he knows how to disrupt goalies, uh, which obviously you have to do with Carey Price to yeah. meet him. Uh, so I think JVR would be a decent guy to try. But um, what any adjustments you, just, you would make? You just took what I was going to say. That's like the one adjustment because – you know, something that Chris Terrian says a lot on pre and post, it, it, the key for him to this series for the Flyers needs to be more traffic in front of the net, but specifically traffic in front of Carey Price. Um, and I would, you know, think that's transferred right on to the power play as well. James Van Riemsdyk throughout the season, um, he, he does a great job with that, just being, you know, that right in front of the net uh, presence. And uh, that's like sort of the only adjustment. But you know what? Away from that, do I have an issue with who's out there in the systems right now? No, other than maybe James Van Riemsdyk. But I think that like just the, the smart plays, another thing I'll shout him out again, Chris Terrian saying that he thinks this team's being too cute right now. That's like a, a very popular thing. They're being too cute. Um, they're not making the simple plays. And I think that, you know, goes hand in hand with that power play as well. I think the passing needs to improve a lot. Like you're, you're finding the chances. We saw a couple that were close last night. And again, yeah. um, we have to give credit to Carey Price where credit is due. Like this isn't an easy task and it's like so close, but okay, maybe, you know, you get that first one and you execute and, and then you go from there. But um, I like what you said. If other things are working well, I, I mean, you can still get by. I just, I find this so important. I, I don't think 
you're going through you know, your second round, your third round with a power play that's going to be like this. I don't think that it's going to continue to work. Um, but No, I, I totally agree. And even I thought we saw some glimpses, too, from JVR with TK on that power play where JVR is kind of like along the goal line and then Konechny is the opposite side of him. And when they get the puck down there, uh, they were pretty good together. Uh, making things happen. And JVR is just so skilled around the net with his hands where he, he's not just a guy that's just going to slam home a rebound. Like, he's actually yeah. very skilled in terms of what he can do and how he can lift the puck and pass. So I thought it's not even just JVR getting in front of the goalie and just being, like, a, a big statue. I, I think he's very good along the goal line on the opposite sides of the post um, that, you know, he can really create some things if you can get him the puck down there. Uh, but, yeah, great point by Chris Terrian. Katie, I've been watching you guys, and I've been hearing him just say that uh, as with him as a defenseman on a PK, the, the thing they loved most was when a power play wouldn't shoot. Uh, he said when it shoots, that's the toughest thing to, that's the toughest thing to defend. Um, yeah. And I remember at the beginning of the season with Michelle Terrian, obviously the power play coach, um, they started doing some things where they wanted to be less predictable. They wanted to have like more motion and more guys kind of moving around after they pass the puck instead of kind of being stationary. And at first it looked really good. And, it, and, and in thought it was like, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, make the PK, uh, make the penalty killers think about where you are and have to change their eyes um, with motion. But then sometimes that does create, you being overly cute and trying to do a little too much and guys not knowing where one another is when maybe it's just nice to keep it simple, uh, do what you've done for a long time and just honestly, cliche, get the puck on net or shoot the puck. Um, so and get yeah, pucks maybe, deep and get traffic in front of the net. And, and just grease it out. Now, yeah. <laughs> so maybe just simplifying it can be a good thing or maybe JVR can be a good thing, but – in playoffs, everything is magnified. I, I know the Flyers' power play is not good, but at the end of the day, they are, um, you know what, they're five games into the tournament. So you see bad stretches of, of five games during the regular season. It's not as bad because it's in a long season. In the playoffs, everything's under a microscope. Give it a little time. We'll see if it comes around. Yeah. But, yeah, I do think it could come back to bite them. I think they want to get it going, for sure. Yeah, you know, and speaking of the power play, I just going into another topic is, is Claude Giroux. Um, we, we did mention earlier the top guys that need to score. This is one of those guys. We're seeing him now two assists, I believe, in the postseason here. Um, he, he uh, I feel like, has been making improvements. I mean, we saw – in like, I don't even know. I would say improvements as far as his offensive production – um, could he be more present? Yes. But has he been able to add a lot of things that we don't see on a score sheet on and off the ice in a situation like this for your team to be the captain? Yes. I do think that um, he is, you know, a staple of this team without a doubt. That was, you know, a fact, uh, you know, Claude Giroux, there's, there's no a question. But right now in this scenario, I think that we kind of forget just how important he really is, the things that we don't, you know, really see or, or rely on. Jordan, how do you feel, though, that you've seen him? I, I just think a lot about game three last night, what, what we saw, you know, different plays he was making. Um, of course, the face-off percentage you have to be happy with, too. That's you know, stays pretty consistent. What have you really taken from him? If you could give him, like, a report card grade right now, what would it be? Great question. Claude Drew is a topic of conversation. 
uh, especially when they're not scoring and he's not scoring. I'd probably give him a B minus, and it might be teetering on like the brink of like a C plus. Um, okay. I think Claude Drew was his most noticeable in Game Three, and that was a good thing. Uh, he had the assist on Jacob Borchek's goal. I thought that was a great play by uh, Drew to see Borchek. Um, it was a set play, and uh, some people will probably say it was a funny bounce and they got lucky, but it was still a great action by the Flyers to for Drew to see Voracek around the net, get it near the net, and let Voracek's big body hopefully try to do something with it. Um, so good play by Drew, and that was, you know, the, the game-winning primary assist. But at the same time, you need – Claude Drew to produce more. Um, he can't just be noticeable. He has to be producing, but he does a lot. He wins faceoffs. Um, he plays against some of the opposition's best lines, obviously, next to Sean Couturier. And they've done a lot of good things in terms of um, effectiveness and keeping the puck in the offensive end and driving play. But at the end of the day, the puck has to go in the net. And if you do look at Claude Drew's postseason statistics over his last three postseasons, he had six points in his last 18 playoff games. And, you know, that's not that's not really star production. Uh, and I think people expect Claude Giroux to look like a star still at his age, at least an all, all-star quality player. Uh, and he hasn't exactly put up his points yet. Uh, key word yet, the team is deeper, and that's a benefit to Claude Giroux. He's more effective when the team is deeper. But I would like to see more offense. So I will go B-minus. Uh, kind of teetering on C+. Katie, I want to hear your grade. Ah, well, I'm going to stick with a B. I'm not going to go too low. I'm going to stick with a B. Um, like you did mention, Game 3, I did believe that was one of his best games we've seen so far. But, yeah, could we could we get more? Yes. I, that's why I'm going to stick with a B. Um, he's he's not really showing what, you know, we're used to, as you mentioned, just his, his history in the playoffs. Like, mm, do I expect him to go drill a guy like Sidney Crosby and then go score a goal? I don't know. Like, you need that energy. And I know it's hard to find it in this situation without any fans. Again, this isn't the, uh, the battle of Pennsylvania, too, that kind of changes things. But I think that energy is much needed from your captain. And um, I know he's being smart, too. You don't want to, you know, not make any smart plays. But I think that, you know, that little spark, that energy is really needed to just get the guys going and really, um, you know, but at the same time, like we've seen this, we've seen energy and physicality. I just, I think I could expect just a little level higher of that. And then of course the production involved too. So I'm going to go with a B Jordan. We're going to stick there. And um, I like what you say about yet, because yes, we, uh, at the same, at the same point of feeling like there's not a lot of time. There, there could be a, a lot of time. So I do expect it to get going and hopefully very, very soon. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. We've talked a lot about the offensive side of things. Let's you know shift over to the de- defensive side of things. I mentioned this earlier, the uh, 24 total block shots in game three, but we can't ever forget uh, Matt Niskanen with six of those block shots. I remember Nicholas Obey-Cubell had, you know, two pretty strong ones too that he took and they certainly did not feel good, Jordan. But what do you think it, that says about this team? Um, you know, they're, they're also trying to help out Carter Hart as much as they can. But um, that certainly when you have forwards and you have, you know, defensemen doing this, this is pretty impressive. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people that I was talking to, they were – 
bringing up the offense and we can't keep doing this. If we only score three goals in three games, we're going to lose. But I just I, – I was very pleased with how they played in game three in that sense, in the way – stylistically, the way they short things up, the way they played in front of their net, 24 block shots, that speaks volumes. Matt Niskanen, like you said, had six. Uh, I know Matt Niskanen probably hasn't been as effective as he would like to be in this series, but that guy's blocking six shots. Uh, that's huge. Um, so I thought they did a lot of positive things after being embarrassed in game two and allowing five goals and just looking like anyone could score on them. Uh, they really, really solidified things um, and cleaned up play. So I thought the effort in front of Carter Hart was outstanding. And that to me is probably the most positive because deep down they're probably thinking if we continue to have that effort um, and continue to at least control play for the most part, the goals will eventually come. Uh, so that was my most um, – that was probably the thing that stood out most to me from that game. Uh, Katie, what did you think about the defenseman? Did you like the change with Robert Hay? And what yeah. do you think about the pairs overall so far? Yeah, that's what I was going to get into, uh, another topic, that being Robert Haig. Um, but first and foremost, yeah, I do think, you know, it speaks a lot about just the resiliency of this team. Um, have I experienced maybe a little squirts, like taking a, a little puck off my toe in that skate? Yes. Did it feel good? Absolutely not. Was it 95 miles an hour? No. <laughs> I can't imagine, um, you know, being a skilled forward like Nicholas Obey Q Bell, throwing your body in front. I mean, this is a normal thing of hockey. This isn't anything new. Um, He's been doing it all season. The defensemen have been doing it all season and other guys. Um, you block shots. It's what you do. Uh, I was about to say you eat shots, but hopefully that wouldn't be the case. But it's kind of that same thing. Like, this isn't anything new, but I just find it so important, Jordan, because uh, it's definitely not easy to just voluntarily do that. But that's, that's your team right there. That's your team camaraderie. They all come together. They fight for each other. And on and off the ice, that's why we know this team is, you know, been successful is because, you know, they do fight for each other. And, um, they helped out uh, Carter Hart as much as they possibly could last night. So that's very impressive. But yeah, getting into Robert Haig, um, this is a guy, Jordan, that I feel like whenever he gets into the lineup, there's something that he does to prove that he needs to be there. Last night, he gets an assist yeah. um, on Jake Voracek's goal. But it, just what he adds out there is, is so different. I, it's a big question, and it was going into this. Is Shane Gossespierre going to be in? What are we going to see with that? But um, I just feel like you, you go with Robert Haig. Uh, that's the guy that's really been in there a lot, you know, more this season as far as what we've seen. And I just – whenever he's in, he, he does something great. He does. And I, I was very surprised to see Shane Gossespierre play in the game one. I, yeah. I like Shane Gossespierre. I always have. I like his game. And I thought he did win that job in terms of what he did in the round robin and in the exhibition game and then also having a very positive training camp leading up. But I really thought Elaine Vigneault was going to go with Robert Haig and Justin Braun as that third pair. It's that, that's the pair that, you know, played really well down the stretch as they started rolling. And I, it gave him no reason to really change it. I really thought he was going to go with that. I was very surprised to see go start. I just thought he was going to go with what was working. Uh, they get back to that in game three, and Robert Hay was just real solid, steady. You know, he kills a lot of plays. Just when you think the Canadians have, um, you know, an opening or some space, he cuts it off and, and gets the puck going back north. And then he has an assist on the only goal in the game. So if Robert Hay is producing offensively as well on the one goal that you have, 
and then you know exactly what you're going to get from them in the defensive end in terms of killing plays, blocking shots, being tough. Uh, that's a win-win for the Flyers. Um, and I expect that defensive pair to be right back out there, Katie. I don't think they're going to make too many changes. Do you see any changes going into game four, whether it be defense or at forward? Uh, no, I don't. I, I Well, actually, what? I mean, yes, I do. There's there's always going to be something, I feel like, line shufflings that we, we see. I think well, did, that – Did Farabee bother you, Katie, that Joel Farabee was out? Yeah, that was a bit uh, alarming, but it also is ex- – you know, it's good to see Michael Raffle get back out there. And um, I just feel like we will see him hop back in there soon, but I, I don't really know, um, you know, really – as you look back on these lines, I don't, I don't know how much he changes things. Like, I don't think anybody really stuck out to me. Um, Scott Lawton making a couple, you know, bad turnovers. He's going to owe Carter Hart a couple dinners or two here in Philadelphia when they get back or, or maybe in the bubble, who knows what's going to happen there, but it's Scott Lawton, you know, he, he, you know, had an, had an off night, had a couple bad plays there, but um I don't see that being an issue. I don't see that getting switched apart. I, I think he, again, keeps that t- the top six, pretty tight knit, but at the same time, it's like, gosh, does he move Verbi up there again to get things going and, and try to see um, what's going to work. But then where does Voracek go? It, it's, it's always, it's a never ending struggle with us, Jordan, predicting what's going to happen, especially with the Lane Vino and what he's going to put out there. Um, it's just tough for me after a uh, win. It, it could have been a better win. Yes. But after a win, how much you're going to switch things up really. Uh, and then when we get to defensive pairings, I mean, for sure, I like this is well, obviously, Provorov Niskanen are going to stay, but I just wanted to get into another pair that I don't see going anywhere is Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers. I feel like I feel like they both have been having some of their best games. Um, you know, there, there's going to be some mishaps here and there, um, but it's not like it's just them on those nights. It's the whole team in general. But uh, if we're really talking about Travis Sanheim, Jordan, he he truly has been impressive uh, too thus far. Just uh, we talked about block shots earlier. He's been right up there. I believe he leads the team in the postseason with block shots. But he is playing, I believe, too, his best version of hockey right now. Um, and it's your younger guys, per usual, uh, your younger guys stepping up. How impressed are you with uh, that pair in general, too? Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers, a pair we saw throughout the regular season. But really, they're, I, I feel like they're really shining right now. Yeah, they've been awesome. They really have. I even – wrote about it uh, in my story that's up on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Obviously, they didn't uh, – neither of them scored uh, in game three, and obviously we love when those two guys score because they are offensive-minded guys, big guys that can get the puck up ice and create things. But I just thought they were great in game three, even without scoring. Uh, just – you know, you just don't really see many mistakes or blunders from them. They're, they're killing plays in the defensive zone, and then they did some – I thought they had some real positive signs offensively too uh, in terms of pushing the envelope. So they've been great. Given all their lack of a playoff experience, uh, Philip Myers hasn't played in the playoffs before this. And Travis Sanheim, I believe, I think have four games of playoff experience before this. Um, they've been great. They've been phenomenal. I don't think uh, there's been any issues about them looking like they don't belong. They're playing confidently, and that's a great thing for the Flyers. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. It's funny. We always talk lineup and stuff, but um, it is intriguing to think that Joel Farabee, this offensive guy that can do things offensively, uh, he has three points, two goals in uh, four games so far. He's sitting there waiting in the wings if they need an offensive jolt. 
because this team might need it. <laughs> they might need it. I think, I think with game three, Elaine Vigneault wanted to get way more size and physicality and forechecking and possession. I think he really knew he wanted to be as ready as possible for a physical game and kind of grind it out. And, yeah. you know, Michael Roffel should play when he's healthy. And he, he Elaine Vigneault thought that fourth line of Michael Roffel, Tyler Pitlick, and Nate Thompson was one of their most effective lines. So I don't expect that to change. And, yeah, I don't think you're really going to play with the top six too much. So I think Joel Farabee's going to be out again in game four. But um, I would definitely call his number if they struggle to score uh, in game four. What, would you agree, Katie? Well, right, yeah. He is that next man up for sure. Um, yeah. As far as, yeah, next game, that's a good point. I mean, who knows what could happen, though. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there. There was a lot of changes even last night that we were like, oh, I mean, right before that puck drop, it was like, oh, this is happening, this is happening. But mm-hmm. I do love your point about that, you know, offensive surge he adds when he's in the lineup. Um, and, yeah, those numbers are nothing to compete with, really. I mean, you have to be happy with what you're seeing. And I just can't help but just, wow, this is like a battle of the young guys, especially on the other end with Yasperi Kotkaniemi, and then you have Nick Suzuki as well, a 21-year-old. Um, it is just, it's amazing, this younger talent. And that's obviously nothing new. Um, what we've been seeing, especially the last few years in the league, it's just younger and younger talent. But right now in this scenario, I just feel like those young guys, and Carter Hart included, they really have been standing out. It, you got to love it. But no matter what, Jordan, we're going to continue to, you know, keep a close eye on this as all fans are. I mean, what? Why did I say that? Obviously, we are excited is what I wanted to say. Um, and hopefully, you know, seeing things move soon with the offense, with uh, the power play, hopefully onward and upward. And, uh, you know, and I just want to end on a really good note today because this is this is a bigger than hockey moment that we have to mention. But Oscar Limblom, Jordan. He, he rings that bell early July, gets back home to Sweden to celebrate with the family. Got to be so happy for him there. And then he joins a team in Toronto and he skates with the team before game three on, in the morning. Um, this, this situation, you, you're so happy for this human being first, but also the hockey player second. Um, and you're also just happy for this moment that hopefully maybe we could see him play. And he watched the game last night. Um, there at Scotiabank Arena it truly is just like I still get chills from it Jordan it's the best story of 2020 it really is I love when you say the best story of 2020 because it truly is um, what a positive and obviously a difficult year for everyone um, just he's such a good guy he's such a good human being and I'm so happy that he's back with the team and just feeling like one of the guys again because that's what he had said uh, at the end of his radiation treatments he just wants to get back to his life and feeling normal, and he deserves that. And I think being back around the team and skating and actually shooting to, to hopefully come back and play, I think it's yeah. like in his mind, he really believes, like, I'm getting closer to playing again. And I, that's what I think makes him feel like one of the guys again and makes him feel like he's getting back to his life. And, yeah, that's just so awesome for him. I know what his presence does for the Flyers. But I hope the Flyers know what they do for him, too. He mentioned that, how his teammates' support had been everything to him. The way they felt the – way they, the way they made him feel like he was a part of the team uh, throughout this entire time, he said, was just huge for him. So, what an awesome story, Katie. Uh, great to see. And uh, you know what? Everyone's been talking, could he play, will he not? Uh, I'm glad we're talking about it. I hope we keep talking yeah. about it because I hope he gets close to playing. Uh, I think that's a great thing. If he doesn't, 
no problems there. Uh, they'll look forward to the next season. But uh, beautiful thing uh, to see Oscar Lindblom in Toronto. Yeah, even to have Elaine Vino to mention, you know, after that practice, that him and the coaching staff almost had tears in their yeah. eyes when they saw that moment. I mean, Tough it still is. And- right? I mean, but this is just – it's beyond. And it is, um, it is great to see it, nothing but great things and hopefully onward and upward for Oscar. And if we see him in the lineup, if we don't, we're just happy for his life right now. This is really fun. But we're also happy for the Flyers. Uh, they, they took, again, the, the 2-1 series lead over the Canadians after game three, but still plenty of action ahead, Jordan. Well, Kitty Emmer, thank you as always. And a special thank you to our podcast producer, Ben Barry. And Flyers fans, this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.